I have a question for you, my Chakra Girl radio listeners. Do you feel like you have a deep connection to your intuition, but you don't know how to use it? Almost like you know you're meant to be a healer of some kind, but you know you have so much healing you need to do on yourself first, and you have no idea where to start. Babe, if you are feeling those whispers from the universe and you're attracted to all the woo-woo things like crystals, tarot cards, you know, it's because your inner goddess knows you have a big purpose in this lifetime and she wants to show you how intuitive you really are. So the first step is to connect to your inner healer goddess archetype so that you can begin to remember those innate abilities and she's closer than you may think. So I've created a fun and easy quiz for you to tap into your subconscious and to really make a connection with your inner healing goddess archetype. And on the results page of the quiz, I'm giving you a list of exactly how to use your powers to heal yourself and to heal the collective. So go take the quiz today and get started on your goddess journey to healing yourself and elevating the collective. So go to quiz.chakragirlco.com slash goddess. That's quiz.chakragirlco.com slash goddess. Chakra Girl Radio with Amberly Lyons is an uncut look into the lives of today's influencers to create real conversation about spirituality, modern girl problems, and the balance between vodka and green juice, gurus and Gucci. We're getting real about the chaos, mistakes, and meltdowns that come along with success. Here's your main chakra girl, Amberly Lyons. Welcome back to Chakra Girl Radio. It's Amberly Lyons here, your chakra expert, your energy and crystal connoisseur, and your trusty spiritual BFF. I'm the founder of Chakra Girl Co., which is a platform giving you all the tips and inspo to activate your chakras to live a life that's both glamorous and grounded. Today, we are joined by an angel, you guys. Her name is Arana Leah. She's the creator of the Moon Deck, which is a super amazing oracle deck I've been beyond obsessed with lately. This girl knows her shit and is always down for an open and honest combo. We are getting into how to abolish shame and instead turn towards a journey of self-acceptance and self-love. We're talking, talking about vulnerability, deep healing, just showing up for ourselves through thick and thin and really committing to our rituals. Oh my God. It's a really good episode and you guys are going to love her, but Hey, I went to Oprah live tonight. She's the freaking queen. I didn't get a car or anything for free for that matter, but I did really get inspired to keep shining my light and playing even bigger and knowing that our past really can't get us down, which is a lot of what we're talking about today. Oprah has overcome so much, you guys, and she's just the queen. I'm obsessed with her. And one tidbit I will share with you that I learned was kind of like an aha moment as Oprah calls it. Um, And since I annoyingly talk about inner child work all the time, she... (laughs) I'll bring up some more, but she talked about this practice where she explained that you kind of envision your, you just kind of like envision looking through your childhood bedroom window and seeing yourself as a child and asking your younger self what you feel. And Oprah said that as a child, what she felt was lonely and alone. And she feels that that is what has allowed her to feel so much empathy for others and be so giving and to like create this freaking empire about, you know, sharing and giving. And I thought that was really interesting. And I kind of did that little practice for myself. And I realized that one of the feelings, one of my negative, like underlying feelings as a child was guilt. Like I was like wrong or bad or not enough. And I feel like that's why I really made it my mission to let you know that you're great just the way you are and you don't have to be a certain way or like fit into this box to be spiritual or to be successful. So do that practice, see what comes up for you, journal about it, and yeah, it'll help you access your purpose. Okay, let's get into my chakra chakra tip, you guys, for intuition. Today... I am really trying to connect to my guides and I've 
really spoken to you guys a lot about different foods for different chakras. So I've been obsessed with trying to become more intuitive. So my breakfast has been following suit. Okay. I've been eating and you may have seen me post about it. It's kind of like a weird combo, but I'm eating blackberries with avocados and fresh basil. Okay. So blackberries are really great for the third eye chakra because they're like that dark blue purple color. And then avocados are like this like healthy fat, which enhances your brain clarity. And I didn't even consciously know this, but basil is also really good for the third eye chakra. And I didn't know that until I Googled it, but I guess I just intuitively knew all along. Look at me. So psychic. So try it. Let me know how you like it. I think it's so, so delicious. Okay. Chakra shout out. I probably should just like shout out Oprah and Eckhart Tolle, who is like a guest speaker. Can you believe like randomly Eckhart Tolle just like joined the stage? It was so cool, but I already wrote the show notes before seeing Oprah tonight. So I'll have to save that for another time, but I'm going to shout out Amanda Francis today. Not sure if you've heard of her. She is this like money manifesting queen. She's a millionaire. She's a boss, babe. And she is going to be on the podcast next week. And our interview is just so fun. She gives zero Fs, you guys. She just like lives her most rich millionaire life and she's abrasive in the best way. And I just love a woman like that. So go check out Amanda Francis. We will link you to her in the show notes, but you will love her. So let's get into this episode, you guys. I hope you enjoy as much as I did. Welcome back to Shaka Girl Radio. We are here today with a lovely guest. Her name is Arana Leah. She is the author founder and co-creator of the moon deck, which is this amazing freaking Oracle deck. That's so beautiful. She's a teacher, a facilitator, an author, a guide, and an Oracle reader. She totally self-published this healing Oracle set. It is filled with intention and ritual and practices for self-love and intuition. She's been a yoga teacher for 14 years, guys. She knows her shit. Okay. And she's really evolved into like teaching embodiment and rituals and intuition through various practices. And she's all about that open and honest conversation. So can't wait to get into it. Girl, welcome to the show. Thank you. So happy to have you. I'm happy to be here. Yay. Let's get into our slumber party questions. What is your daily ritual? My daily ritual is sitting at my altar in the morning. I'm a big advocate for having our altars in our home. So I sit at mine every morning and meditate, and that's a morning ritual. I mean, there's other pieces of the ritual, but that's the main thing that is always there. Amazing. What is on your altar at the moment? Uh, well, I have a lot of Oracle decks there, of course, and, and the Moon deck and other decks that I collect, Tarot, Oracle. Sometimes I'll work with those in my morning ritual. Um, lately, it's been a pretty straight up meditation. I have a candle. Um, I oftentimes will have an intention candle, which is one of the rituals in the moon deck. And it's basically carving your own, you get a pillar candle, you carve your intention into it. And then you sit with that candle every morning when you're meditating or journaling or whatever it is you would do at your altar. Um, so candles, crystals, stones, I have my little plate with my smudge, the things I like to burn, like, mm. like sage and incense. And I, um, I also sometimes will have a little section that's a dedication to somebody. Uh, my mom passed away a couple years ago, so I have a little area that has a photo of her and is a dedication to her. Or I might have a section that's a dedication to a specific intention or um, an offering of some kind. So beautiful. Yeah. I love the intention candles. Why did I not think, do they like, I mean, they probably like sell intention candles somewhere too, right? They do. Yeah. I mean, I think different um, companies or uh, creators will create them that you can buy. It's definitely a thing. It's been around. I think it comes a little more from the magi, occult, witchy side of things, mm -hmm. but it's certainly making its way into um, more more mainstream or, or at least more people in the wellness world. The one that we have in the book is one that you would carve on your own. It just has the instructions and 
you get a pillar candle outside of a glass pillar just so you can actually carve into it. And I prefer beeswax because it smells amazing and it's um, natural and releases negative ions into the air. But you can use any non-toxic candle. And then once you've sat with your intention and have become really clear on what it is, you would then write that word or that, you know, couple words. You don't want it to be all over the place. You want it to be as focused as possible. Mm -hmm. And then you write that intention into the candle. I also sometimes like to, on this other side of it, um, create a symbol. I just make it up based on what I feel that intention represents. And so it'll be a symbol. There'll be a few words on the other side. And then for you personally, you would just make sure that those words and that symbol all tie into your core intention. And then when you're done, you would anoint it with um, some oils, your favorite essential oils, sort of dress it and smear it in. And then, yeah, and then you light it. I would light it right away, at least for a little bit and sit with it and focus on the intention. And then you can snuff out the flame afterwards and, and just like, you know, you'd cover it with, with one of those metal snuffers or something to cover it. Um, and because blowing it can sometimes blow away the intentions it has said. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like, I, I kind of waver cause I'm not a superstitious person per se, but there are little things like that where I think if it feels right to you on a subtle level, like you feel that subtle energetic truth to that, that you go with it. And if it doesn't resonate, then, you know, that's fine too. So mm. that's something that I have been feeling, um, more clear about that makes sense to me and something I've been implementing is, is snuffing it out versus. I love because yeah. you're not superstitious. You're a little stitious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I'm kind of like, I've always been the opposite. Like if a black cat walks my path, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's totally good luck. Like, yeah. It's like a sign. I know. I totally feel you. <laughs> So, so fun. Like to I'm challenge totally, them, I guess. Challenge yes. The I know. I'm like, Ooh, February 13th. It's a lucky day <laughs> or wait, Friday the 13th. What am I talking about? Friday the 13th. I'm always like, Oh, it's a good yeah, one. Totally. Um, I love that. And I'm definitely going to try that. And so this might be a stupid question. What do you use to carve into it? Like a pin? You can use a pen. I would use, I have a little porcupine quill that I use. Oh. You can use a quill or you can use um, like a little stick for the vegans out there or people that just don't want, or, you know, it's not as easy to find one. So you can literally use a little stick that has a sharp, kind of like a small pencil without the lead and just, you know, they they do sell carving sticks online or you can find a stick and make it yourself. Um, A needle you could use, but it might be, unless it's one of those really fat, thick needles. It might right. be hard to carve with, but yeah, you'd use a needle or I mean a, a stick or a quill. Okay. And can I ask, like, you just like have a por- porcupine quill laying around? Like, <laughs> is it for- you know, no, I got it. I actually led a workshop a long time ago when I used to live in New York. I lived in New York for 18 years and I'm back in LA now, which is where I originally grew up. Um, I've been here two years now. So anyways, when I was in New York, I led a workshop to create these candles. And so we ordered all the supplies and I kept one of the quills. Mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. You can order them from online. You can also order the sticks online. Um, yeah. So it's like a whole thing. Okay. I've been it out is. of the loop and I'm getting myself in. Thank you yeah, for that. Totally. So what is your go-to crystal? I don't have a go-to cause it's always shifting lately. I have been uh, really carrying my selenite wand with me everywhere. Mm -hmm. I don't really carry it out and about in LA, but I did bring it to Bali with me. It sits with me during my meditations. I even sleep with it like Mm -hmm. (laughs) sometimes. So it's this beautiful selenite wand. Um, So that's been something I I hold close and I have this um, talisman that's a snake. I don't know the stone. It's a white stone that I got in Peru many, many years ago. That's a piece that kind of goes with me everywhere. And then um, yeah, I use clear quartz. I have, um, I use pyrite. I have amethyst. I mean, I, I have, I've always been a collector of stones and crystals ever yeah. since I was a little girl and even now. So yeah, I just have like some beautiful pieces scattered around for decor and energy. And then I have certain pieces like the two I mentioned that really feel charged with energy. Like I'll have those two pieces when I'm giving Oracle readings I'll travel with them. It's sort of my, my personal talismans. I love, what is your summer cocktail? I'm not a huge drinker. Um, 
but if I do have something, it's typically a want, like a nice glass of wine or mezcal mm-hmm. are really the only two things. If it's mezcal, I'll do like a mezcal with, with like a sparkling water and like a bunch of lime or some Ooh. kind of citrus squeezed into it. So nice. I feel and like some of it, I don't really want, I don't, yeah. And it's like very occasional, but when I am in a phase of that, those are the two things that I have. Okay. I feel like I was going to say, I feel like some mezcals kind of taste like a tire to me. <laughs> like, oh, really? like, like that, like that smoky flavor just reminds me of like a shoe for some reason. My husband loves it. I guess like oh, good yeah. mezcal. I don't know. I don't know. Some of them are stronger, I think, but I, I don't mind a little light one. So I'm yeah. gonna try, I'm gonna try it with soda and lime. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it happen. Yeah, I like the smoky. Like I don't know, it's it tastes more like medicinal to me. I guess mm. I, I sort of like that. <laughs> I actually but, went somewhere where there was a Palo Santo infused tequila. Oh, interesting. And it made my life. So, <laughs> who's your favorite Kardashian? I saw that question before, <laughs> and I like I laughed because I actually have like the secret love of them I guess you could say I don't even know if it's a lot I don't know they're just so intriguing you're in the closet with a k I'm in the closet I'm sure a lot of us are um but I do yeah sporadically check them out and I I think because I I'm a woman and I run my own business and I geek out on branding and I also love how bonded they are it's just like these little things kind of draw me to them and I know a lot about like the new brands they've released and things like that. And I find it fascinating. So my favorite one, um, I would say as a sisterhood, I really appreciate at least from what it seems on the outside, how much they have each other's back. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, that fam- family bond. Yeah. I really love witnessing. And um, I guess another plus, if we're going to focus on the, the pluses of them is that the Kardashians brought curves back, you know, so yeah. that's good. I'm here um, for it. <laughs> and, you know, there's other things where I'm like, oh gosh, the Kardashians like are totally putting more junk into the world. So there's a fine line there, but I would yeah. say my favorite, if I have to choose one, um, I, I like Courtney because she's yeah. into wellness and, and, um, yeah, I'm actually like, how can we get the moon deck on Poosh? Like, yeah, how, right? Can we, can we, how can we do that without having to pay her thousands and thousands of dollars? Yeah, I know. Like millions. I want, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I want to get a moon deck to them. Um, so oh yeah, gosh. I love Courtney and, and what she stands for as far as like the wellness side of things and that she's promoting that stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and I, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yes, love. Okay, so let's talk about you. I want to know about your spiritual journey and how that turned into creating the moon deck. Sure. So, um, so when you asked me at what, 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 can you be a little more specific on like, what do you mean about my spirit? You just want to know how it started? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so for me, it started at a pretty young age and I've had over the years, many moments or epiphanies or kind of wake up calls where it's gotten stronger or has redirected me. So I've had a lot of those kind of grand moments throughout my life, but I would say my curiosity and my connection to the spiritual realm started as a child. And that was in part just sort of self-taught and natural. It was just like a really natural inclination for me that I was drawn to. Um, My family wasn't super spiritual, but I did have some of that around me. My mom was definitely more um, spiritual in the sense of uh, the way she saw, I I was more similar to her in the way she looked at energy and the way she looked at the world and kind of had this belief in magic and the things you can't see. And uh, my father is a bit more formal when it comes to all of that and he I was raised Jewish by my father uh, and my parents split when I was young and my mom was raised Jehovah Witness but she became a Buddhist but would celebrate Christmas with her so I was exposed to all these different religions so I think that made me curious and then on my own I felt like I would have my own conversations with God or if I felt scared I would start praying like without anyone really showing me how or 
I would make up my own languages and was convinced I could speak tongues when I was little. And I had no idea what that even meant. And I actually had a girlfriend when I was little who was into that. So it was probably influenced from her and her family who were quite religious. I just had a real curiosity for it. And I think it was born from a need to feel some protection and security having grown up in circumstances that didn't always feel certain or secure. And I think for me, it was that outreach to spirit or to a source greater than myself that I wanted to feel a connection with because I, I guess out of a need and out of a, out of who I was in my Mm. nature. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like that's why so many people find it. It's like, they're trying to find that, it's interesting because it's like when you don't feel grounded, you kind of like look upward, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So I have been obsessed, obsessed with home decor lately, and you need to experience the citizenry in your home like I have. So the citizenry is a socially conscious home decor brand, and they actually care about craftsmanship and quality, but like in a modern way. So what they do is they travel around the world. They partner with these master artisans in over 15 countries to create this like exclusive online collection. And they don't have that middleman markup. So a single pillow takes one of their talented people three days to make, and it's all made start to finish in a totally fair trade environment. So there's no more searching for that perfect decor pillow combination with just one pillow. You can instantly step up the game of your couch or bed. And as many of you guys know, I just up leveled my home and our new place has like this big, beautiful office and I'm going for this boho chic look. So I got this citizenry lumbar pillow, which is their most popular item. It put them on the map and you know, I'm a sucker for popularity and things were just getting too girly in my office. I had this tufted pink bench and so I put my citizenry lumbar pillow on it and it literally makes my office. It's so chic, but it also says I meditate on the regular and you feel good knowing where the money's going because for every pillow that they sell, one third goes to their artisan partner, one third to citizenry and one third to shipping and packaging. And every single dollar that you spend supports fair wages, safe working environments, and it's a direct investment into those artisans and entrepreneurs because social impact matter guys. And you know, I highly support people in countries all over the world that are selling these beautiful pieces and get paid fairly for it. So if you didn't already love the citizenry enough, did you know that they donate 10% of all proceeds directly back to those artisan communities around the globe to help these entrepreneurs take their business to a new level? Guys, promoting entrepreneurs always, it's the name of the game. So if you want to chic up your home with some super high quality, beautiful, and unique pieces, get a $50 gift voucher towards your first purchase of $200 or more, go to citizenrypodcast.com and enter promo code podcast for a $50 gift voucher towards your first purchase of $200 or more. So go to citizenry, C-I-T-I-Z-E-N-R-Y podcast.com and enter promo code chakra. Interesting. So then at what point did you kind of like decide like, this is definitely my path. Like this is my calling and teaching spirituality and coming out with products around spirituality is what I'm meant to be doing. I was a pretty natural evolution for me. I've always worked for myself for the most part. I, um, you know, I was, into health at a really young, I was probably 16 or 17 when I decided to be a vegetarian. I'm not a vegetarian anymore, but I've had a long journey in the world of food and holistic health and things like that, that have, you know, has evolved over the years. And so I had a natural impulse to be healthier and to take better care of the planet and to take better care of myself when I was a teenager, but it was very muddled with confusion because I was also super bulimic at the time. And uh, that started at like age 13. And, Mm. and so I think a lot of the um, having grown up as a really sensitive child and uh, kind of having to figure out my own way with certain things and not 
really being uh, shown the way as a sensitive child and instead feeling like I had to hide that and having grown up with a lot of um, love and adventure. And I had a, a, a great childhood on one hand, but on the other hand, there was also a lot of chaos and a lot of uncertainty and not everyone was present in the way one would hope. And so I think all of that created a bit of anger and rage and control and things were so all over the place. But then I think bulimia and any eating disorder or really any addiction starts to form because it comes out of a need to control like our little environment around us Mm. because everything else is out of control, or at least it seems to be. And, you know, at a young age, that's when our nervous system is developing and all the, our foundational pieces, our nervous systems, everything. So I think for me, what my healing journey was, which was in the realm of wellness and health and spirituality and emotional health and mental health and all these things that came from a deep need for literally survival and eventually became my passion and eventually became my profession. And so I was about 19 when I started doing yoga. um, And that was a huge, huge lifesaver for me. I also entered a 12-step program at the time, which was definitely more in the realm of emotional health and being able to openly talk about the eating disorder with a community of people that, you know, didn't judge me for it or look at me like I had 10 heads. They totally got it. And that was really healing for the time that I was in that. And then I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in 2001 and became a holistic health counselor. And so on the side of all that, I was a photographer. I went to college and have a BFA in photography and mixed media arts. So at the foundation of it all, I'm an artist and I went pretty far with being a photographer, but the world of photography and the world of yoga and wellness started to feel like these two separate lives and it wasn't healthy for me. It was leading me to some depression and anxiety and things like that, that I had already known that I had dealt with. So I I just was like, for me, I couldn't start like my wellness life at 5 PM when work was done. I needed it to all be a part of my life every minute of the day. So I eventually started to slowly let go of the photography and, you know, I was assisting a fashion photographer and shooting events. And I kind of moved out of being an artist and just had to work. So I took any photo gig that I could. And that felt like it was pushing my, not only my passion, but my need to have a really holistic lifestyle in every realm. So that's when I started to do the holistic health counseling and taking little side gigs, you know, where I needed to. And then in, um, 2006, I trained with Anna Forrest, who's a yoga master teacher. And I, that I did a lot of training. I was in India for six months, um, shooting a huge documentary when I was still full on photographer and I was studying yoga on the side. So, um, when I decided to teach, that's when I did a more formal teacher training. And then from there, it really became my career. So if that all makes sense, like the holistic health counseling, the photography, the travel, the yoga was all sort of surfing alongside each other while trying to heal from my own (laughs) insanity. And then eventually, yeah, the teaching like fully took over. I was like, okay, after this training, I'm like, I'm not wearing 20 hats. I'm going to teach yoga. And then from there, it all evolved into what I'm doing now. Yeah. And I feel like, so I feel like that was all part of it. It was like all of those little tiny like gigs that you started for yourself probably you know, led to that feeling of empowerment and supported you and like, you know, being like, okay, now I know that I can do this. Now I'm going to do something else. Now I know I can do this. Now I'm going to do something else. And like always searching for like a deeper and deeper purpose in it. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I still teach. I actually just made a really, really big decision very recently. And I, I'm taking a break on teaching weekly asana classes, like weekly yoga classes and, and really, I don't think I'll ever stop teaching or having yoga in my life. It's deep in my bones forever. Um, but yeah, it was like a big move to be like, okay, I'm going to put the sort of weekly teaching schedule to the side and go all in with the moon deck and running the business, which is a, a very full plate and teaching through the, the conduit of the deck around embodiment and meditation and intuition ritual. Mm. So yeah, it's in this place of expansion and the work, continuously expands. And I think for a lot of us who are 
entrepreneurs, whether whatever industry that is, there's always this reinventing of ourselves, And I think it's, it's bittersweet sometimes because it's, it's been a big decision to let that go. And it feels bittersweet, but it also feels like, huh, it feels right. It feels like a relief and um, for right now. And, you know, I think I'm learning you can't always define every piece of the future. So I'm just, that's what I'm doing for now. And we'll see what happens next. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm just so grateful for that practice though. And if anyone who's listening is like thinking about doing it, it's just, it's a game changer on so many levels and informs everything we do. Oh my God. I love that so much. And I love what you said about just like, you're taking a break now, but you don't know what that's going to be. And I think like detaching from the outcome of that is so, so important. Yeah, totally. So you were obviously like facing a lot of turmoil and like facing a lot of darkness when you were going through this growth. And when we go through these big spiritual upheavals, it can be scary. And I think a lot of people really avoid doing that. And that's why they stay stuck and they stay in the same place, but you were able to like evolve and grow through it. So how did you find that strength to navigate that terrain, like during these really tough times of growth? I don't think it's a once in a lifetime thing. And then we have it figured out. I think, you know, just two years ago, other big life changes happened. It was a whole different layer of spiritual growth. I think everyone's bottom is really different um, or what it takes for people to make change. It's, it's so unique to each individual. Spirituality is so unique to each individual. Um, so back then, you know, that was just a little history on kind of uh, a part of, of what the history was and got me into this work, which was that deep need for understanding myself and understanding how to get better. And I think, I think it was just that I hit a point as far as the eating disorder stuff goes, which was, you know, almost 20 years ago now um, that I just hit a point where I so badly wanted to be well, I, I wanted to be choose wellness instead of sickness. And I chose that many, many times, you know, I would be like, okay, super pumped. I'm going to do better. And then it would, the pendulum would swing again. And that was a very rocky pendulum swinging time where I would have a few good weeks and feel like I could deal with it on myself. And then, and then it would hit hard again. And finally I asked a friend for support. I mean, I literally got to my knees in tears, crying, praying for help. I really believe in prayer. I think when we pray with, with clarity and sincere charged emotion and, and, and focus on what we're asking for, that those prayers are, are really powerful. And that's what I mean when I say it takes a different, like everyone's bottom is different or it takes different things for people to get to that point. But I did get to that point somehow. And I think it was just so many years of that up and down and, and not wanting that anymore because it, because I didn't feel good. Um, And then eventually it's taking the steps, you know, whether that was for me going to meetings or going deeper into my practice or asking people who I trusted for support. That's been huge for me is not to keep this stuff bottled up. Sure, there might be a time where we need to be more introverted in a healing process, but it's up to us to be honest with ourselves. Okay, I need to be introverted now. This is an internal process. This is for me to work through. But then at what point are we now just isolating? and not getting better and need to reach out for that external support, whether that's through friendship or family member or a therapist or a healer or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, I think that's such an important piece because it's like, if you're afraid to like face that on your own, there are always people that are there to help you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a dance. It's, it's, you know, on the other hand, on the flip side of that, are we only reaching out to people and just clogging our time with like, as many people to help us as possible. And sometimes we need that. Sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, I really need community right now. I just need help. I can't, I need to like, I can't help myself. I need help. So in those cases, we might have a lot of healers and therapists and friends or whatever, but I just think there's a fine line. There's a time for that. And there's a time for the internal healing. And at what point, whatever side of the spectrum are we on, are we saying, okay, now I need to do that work on my own, or I need to integrate the work and implement it and be brave and do that inner work, you know, throughout the day or in the morning. And then on the flip side, if we're just doing the inner work, recognizing when we're isolating and we're not letting people in and we're carrying shame around our process. And so it's a fine line, I think, of being able to 
be really honest with ourselves around what we need in each moment. And once we've gone really deep into that need, at what point are we now saying, okay, now I need to balance this out. Now I need some external support or now I need to go inward a little more. Does that make sense? hundred percent. And I love that you mentioned shame. So like, how can we turn that shame of our journey into self-acceptance and self-love? I think it just takes time. It depends. You know, I guess I'm looking at this and like, for example, if there's, if there's a shame that we've been, that we learned from a young age that we've just been carrying with us for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, whatever it is, that's a very different, um, type of shame than maybe something that happened two years ago that you're just still processing. But I do think it's all tied in. So I think a a really important step to dissolving shame is talking about it because shame thrives in secrecy. I I like that. Like that's a quote. Shame thrives in secrecy. That's so good. It thrives in secrecy. It, It just starts to like, I think two things thrive in secrecy shame and resentment. Mm. They start to become this vapor or this like energy that seeps its way into our self-worth, into our perspective on the world and the people in our lives or the new people coming into our lives into, I mean, self-worth right there. If if something's finding its way into self-worth, that's that heavy. That of course then affects what our finances, opportunities that come in, our our creativity, our relationships, it goes into everything. So I think it's really layered. And so I think part of the piece of dissolving it is talking about it. And if we're not ready to be really open to everyone, then that's why I do believe in therapy or having a a teacher or a coach or a healer, whatever it is, someone where you can, or a good friend who can, who can be there for you on that level that where you can let the ugly out or you can let the shame out and know that, that that vulnerability is a roadmap to deeper healing. So true. And I feel like that's why, I mean, when you think about like, you know, therapy, for example, like they're not really like doing anything other than letting you talk. <laughs> like that's the point. It's like, you got to get it out. Cause that energy is just like stuck inside you. And I feel like our inner voice ends up answering the questions for us anyways, but you kind of need to get the flow of, you know, releasing it and the vulnerability happening. Yeah. And I think that deeper commitment is, is important or devotion. And, and so it's the talking to somebody and, and having that reflection and that feedback from somebody else outside of our own head. Um, And then also showing up for our practices, even if they're really small. And I always say this, it's like, even if you only are willing to commit to three minutes a day, and that's not a lot of time. I know every single person has three minutes a day that they can contribute to their well-being and if they say they don't it's like it's bs you know (laughs) like we can all carve three minutes out and so if you really truly show up for three minutes a day or 20 minutes you choose but i'm going to the minimum those three minutes add up to something pretty powerful by the end of a month by the end of three months partly because the time adds up and that has a, a a benefit to your mind and your nervous system and your body whether that's sitting in meditation or doing a gratitude journal or taking a walk whatever it is that you're like, I'm doing this every day, no matter what shitty mood I woke up in, no matter how rushed I was, no matter if I was in a great mood and I don't think I need it today, that we show up through that full spectrum no matter what. And that starts to create a deep level of devotion. And that devotion alone becomes so healing to show up through thick and thin for ourselves and not to tell ourselves we're going to do something good for ourselves and then keep saying, oh, sorry, I don't have time. I'm sorry, I don't have time. And like actually show up, even if it's just those three minutes. And I think that's also a step to dissolving shame in addition to talking openly about it. And also just filling our, our, our feeds and our minds and what we read with people who have, who we can emulate, who talk about these things openly and is positively reinforcing that it's safe and that being vulnerable can be healing and um, you know, I guess it's kind of like curating and editing a bit the information we're taking in from the outside world yeah. without, without obviously not being informed about the truth of what's happening in the world. Right? And there's a fine line there too. So um, yeah, I don't know if that totally answers your question, but I know totally definitely a way to work on that. And, and for me, you know, it's like these new layers will come up sometimes too. I 
just two years ago before I moved part of, I, I lived in New York for 18 years and part of why I left uh, was because I had been wanting to leave for a while. I love New York and I still visit, but it's, it was like really wearing me down. I had to leave and, but then life happened and I got married and, and all, you know, life happened. So two years ago we separated and, you know, we just finished the divorce process a little while ago. And so I was going through divorce within a few months, my mom died um, within a few months, Andy, who's the illustrator of the moon deck and my best friend and business partner got diagnosed with breast cancer. And she's now mm-hmm. on the other side of that. Um, I had a little scare with some health stuff that was totally fine, but it was like a month of like, you know, my body was probably just like so burnt out from everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a few other things I moved across country, all my shit was in storage. So it was kind of this explosion. I mean, I haven't, it was pretty traumatic for me and it, those traumas, it was traumatic for me because it was just traumatic and it's part of life and part of being a human, but it definitely unearthed some very deep old shit. And it was like, Oh, here's the next layer of yeah. pain, of worth of security of all these things that I have to deal with. And it was probably more than any of the other stuff I mentioned it was like the most raw that I had to like, it, that stuff got so exposed in um, a way that, I, I just had to deal with it. And I'm sure another layer, layer might be revealed at another point in my life, you know? Yeah. Um, it's always new levels, new devils. Exactly. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Yeah. So I, well, that's exactly what it is. Like as soon as you, it's almost like you think you've got it and then all this shit happens and there's a lot of cleaning up to do. So yeah, exactly. It's when you're like in those modes, I feel like some people, when they get into that almost like depression state or that like state of, you know, everything is, you know, going wrong or that I feel like so many people let their rituals drop in that moment. So like what tips do you have? Cause that's when you need it most. Like that's when you need the ritual most is when you're going through that stuff. So what tips do you have to kind of like peel yourself out of bed and focus on, you know, getting on the other side of it, even when it feels impossible? I I do think that that deep grieving is just a part of it. We don't have to escape that part. If if you need to stay in bed a couple days, you know, I mean, whatever, obviously if it's a couple months, that's a problem. (laughs) But if you need a few days to shut down and let your system build, rebuild itself and go through the grief or the sadness or the anger, I don't think we want to avoid that. I think it's a part of the process. Um, for me, I remember vividly this one moment where I was just a mess crying in my bed. I was just like, felt like a piece of shit, to be honest. I just, the demons were so loud. I felt horrible. I um, wasn't loving myself fully in that moment. And then I just had this pause where I was just kind of like talking to myself and telling myself to just feel that what was there because I was feeling it I was crying I was clearly very upset I was feeling a lot but I was so contracted to it I was so angry I was so I was like contracting to the feeling and still feeling it and crying and feeling like a mess but then I just had this moment where I softened and I was just like Arana just feel it like let it like actually feel it what is this what does sadness really feel like when I go into it with with a sense of tenderness or a sense of curiosity Um, and not to get stuck in it because stuck being stuck in something is again, that contractive energy. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of by feeling it more deeply and actually being really present and not spinning in the story and the thoughts and like, who, what am I now? And who am I now? Like I was kind of spinning mentally in the story and the past and who I like, how that affects me now. And then feeling the anger or the sadness or whatever I was feeling in that moment and crying. So it was this very like mental emotion like feeling of emo- like diagnosis of the emotion versus like let me soften physically let me sh- soften my shoulders my jaw literally physically and let the tears and let this emotion move through me so that it can move through me and then out and when i did that this this sort of tenderness and deeper self love for what was happening and understanding for what was happening moved through me and a better understanding of what the emotion was and it was this very interesting moment that, you know, I didn't repeat it every single time, but I at least had an access point and an experience that I knew was now tangible that I could turn on if I want to. For me, once I have a really 
a strong experience like that, then it gives me an example to emulate or like a roadmap or, you know, so whether that's through my own experience or uh, a person who sort of is a teacher that is serving as an example. So that's one thing I would say is to soften when you're feeling those emotions and not head trip it or contract it and just remind yourself of that and kind of talking yourself into the emotion more and letting yourself feel it and letting it be a meditation of sorts. Um, I would also, for me, you know, meditation has been in my life for a long time, but during that time it became a real non-negotiable because I was just, I was drowning practically. So I, I had to sit every morning. There was just something in me. Maybe it was a survival mechanism that just turned on where I was like, I have to sit at my altar every day and meditate. Mm -hmm. And the, like the anxiety was just too overwhelming. And, um, I also, I am a coffee drinker. I love coffee. But at the time when I have these high bouts of anxiety, I have to cut it out and have more herbs. And, you know, I was having a lot of different teas and things like that. And just putting different things into my body because I kind of lost my appetite and I was feeling anxious and um, having a lot of coffee probably was not a good idea. So that was something that I had to cut out. Um, Moving our bodies is so important even if it's just 10 minutes, you know, at a time to just let that energy flush out. Again, it's just looking at all this as energy. And when we make it really mental and it gets contracted, that just makes it more stickier and swampier and heavy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, at the time, definitely was just like, all bets were off. I didn't care how much something cost. I mean, within reason, I I just like had to hire people to help me. I I got healers. I (laughs) probably saw a couple psychics. I um, reached out to certain good friends. My older brother was a huge help. So it was just that reaching out to people and having that support, like, did it all work? I don't know. But in the moment, it really freaking helped me like just to have some guidance. And, and I think we've been led to believe that just like pushing through and showing up and just getting back to work, that that's more natural somehow in the world. And I don't think it is, at least it's not for me. It's not how I'm built and it's not how I operate. And when I try to operate that way, it just induces the anxiety or the feeling out of place in the world or the, you know, whatever is coming up because it's not how I operate. So I am a deep feeler. I've tried to not be in a million and one ways and it's just not going to ever work. So for me, their solution is to balance out my nervous system to have my practices every day, which is, you know, writing, meditation, working with Oracle cards, whatever it is for the individual going for a run, whatever it is. um, And seeking that external, that outside support um, with people that we trust and being okay, investing in ourselves during that time, whether that's financially or in our time. And we have to like take, you know, cancel something and go take care of ourselves. I think during those times, it's really important to not be cheap with ourselves if, if that's yeah. where it's coming from and, and to like really set care boundaries to set boundaries to the best yeah. of our ability with exactly. who we are, you know, yeah, 100%. and what we're, and what we're able to afford to give and, and that's totally. going to look different for everyone. Yeah. And I love what you said about like processing the feeling like hundred percent, like the feeling needs to process before you can like take the next step. So if you're getting mad at yourself, I remember like when my grandma passed away, I was like mad at myself for like not getting out of bed. And someone was like, you have permission to be upset for as long as you need to be. And you do not need to be, you know, productive over the next few days, but you need to be easy with yourself and you need to like, process what you're feeling. And then, you know, once you allow that, once you give yourself that freedom, that's when you're kind of like your internal intuition is like, okay, this is what your body needs. This is what's going to help you. And usually it's, you know, that self-care and, you know, getting out of bed for a minute. (laughs) Exactly. And that's, I guess what I meant earlier when it's like that fine balance of that internal is so important. I'm a huge advocate for that internal process. But then at what point we're like, okay, like now you need to get up and take some actions and get out of it and step outside. And that's also important. So it's, you know, the individual is the best, you you have to be the best judge of that. Um, But, and that's why external help is support. There was times where I just, I knew I needed to do something, but I was so unwilling and just didn't know. And so that's when I'm just like, to someone who I love, who's helping me or, a teacher, I'm like, just tell me what to do. Cause I'm clueless right now and mm. I'll do it. 
Yeah. So I don't have access to that right now. So just tell me. (laughs) Yeah. So now you're kind of like that external support that people can go to. So what are your kind of like main things that you teach and share? Um, Well, as I mentioned, I've been a yoga teacher for a really long time. And, and although for the time being, I'm not, you know, teaching in that setting anymore. I now I still teach in the form of workshops or you know, being a part of a larger event that I can teach in those settings. Um, And I also do one-on-ones with the cards. So I give Oracle readings and because I had so many years as a holistic health coach and a teacher and um, emotional health support counselor and things like this, I have fused all of that into the readings because the, I really trust this deck so much and and it always is spot on and the testimonials just keep proving it over and over again, how much it's supported people's lives during growth and transition. And for me, because I trust them so much and I'm the author, so I know it so well, like in that deck is all the stories I've talked about is the healing of that. So some of it will be more yogic. Some of it will be more mystical. Some of it will be more, you know, support for mental and emotional health. It's the full spectrum. And so these cards really get people talking when I give a one-on-one they open people up to these deeper um, truths around loving ourselves and intuition and trusting ourselves like really starting to transform the doubt into deeper self-trust and transform the shame into deeper acceptance and transform the self-loathing into self-love and that's the work I'm passionate about because it's been such a deep journey for me. It's still a journey, but I'm definitely way ahead of like where I used to be. And I know that these tools work and it requires us to be patient and to be willing and to be brave and to be curious. And so these readings help people enter that space where they'll start opening up about these different topics. Usually they're coming with an intention or two. And then, we have a deep discussion led by the cards. Um, we then at the end of the reading, they will be prescribed a couple of rituals, you know, two to four rituals, depending on the reading. And those rituals are for them to implement immediately after the reading. Some rituals might be like a one-time thing where they just have to create the intention candle, for example, mm-hmm. or, or um, you know, create something. And then other rituals will be like a 30 day commitment where it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, clearly from this reading, this needs to happen now so that you're really activating the things you want to call in and, and, um, and showing up for it because we are a co-creator in the things that we're creating and working with the deeper healing or the forgiveness or the self-worth or whatever topic it is that that person Mm -hmm. wants to work through so that they can show up fully in the relationships they care most about or in the career that they're putting, you know, working into or whatever the thing might be for that person. And so the readings tend to be empowering, giving them tools and rituals and little hacks that they can walk away with. And, um, and some people come back like once a month to get readings. It depends on the person. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's kind of where my work is now running the moon deck business and creating tools and products. Um, to help people in their process. Like I'm still teaching through that, even though it's not me physically there. Um, and I do some stuff online. I I'll do like readings on Mondays on Facebook and Instagram on the moon deck page. We call it moon days at 12 PM mm-hmm. um, Pacific time. And I'll do a reading there and grant people like a ritual for the week. And so these are all the ways that I do that. And then the workshops and these deeper dives um, into all of this work. My ideal situation is having like three hours with a group. That's a lot, but that's like my dream is like, it's always enough. I maybe a couple hour workshop, um, where I get to bring all of these things in and touch as many people as possible in one Mm. sitting. I love amazing. So can you give us like one quick ritual example for self-love? Uh, sure. I, I keep mentioning meditation and that's loose. Maybe we will call that a ritual that, you know, the word ritual is, um, a buzzword right now. So we use it in a lot of ways. So, but I do think that sitting quietly and doing nothing every day for at least a few minutes is a really important practice or ritual, whatever you want to call it to do, because, you know, the, the, the world is so busy and there's so much going on right now. It's, it's, it's overwhelming when we let all that information in and let alone managing our own lives. And 
So I think that moment of sitting quietly and in stillness, even if they're just a couple minutes, is really key to self-love. And sometimes people are like, I don't know how to meditate or I'm not good at it. And we all, I mean, I've been meditating for years and I still have a day where it's awesome and I have a day where it's not. And I all, I'm like doing everything to not jump out of my skin. So it's just how it is. And I think it's less about the act of sitting is difficult and it's more about what is revealed when we sit and mm-hmm. be still and shut up. That's difficult. Like letting the thoughts come up. It's like, sometimes we're like, oh, I, you know, can't be thinking of anything, but sometimes the thought coming in is part of the meditation. Yeah. And I think like it, when we're still that baseline of noise or anxiety or whatever it is that we're kind of carrying with us that might be clouded by the distractions of life start to be revealed. And that is what gets itchy to sit with. Yes. But the the more we breathe through that and observe it without jumping and reacting when we're like, oh shoot, I forgot to do this. I forgot to do that. And all these ways that the mind wants to get us out of it is such a massive practice. And it's not so much about the benefit of sitting. I mean, the, um, the moment of sitting as it is of how it shows up as a benefit in the rest of our life. So I think that's a really important way. Um, journaling is so good. If people can take time to, it's a practice that I actually want to get back into myself. Um, I have phases where I'll commit, you know, 30 days to something. And that's one of them. And where we choose a 30 day commitment to show up and, you know, whether that's journaling, you're at the end of the day, gratitudes, or I also like to call it just writing at the end of the day, like what worked well today? What did Mm -hmm. I do right today? Yeah. Instead of, you know, focusing on all of the things that didn't work well, like what, what worked well today? What can I, and that's one of the cards in the deck is I focus on what is working. Mm, and, I and love so that. Redirecting ourselves to what's working well. It doesn't mean we're turning a blind eye or, or, you know, bypassing tr- the pains of life or, you know, cause that's all important too, but just that we're also focusing on the beauty and what worked well. And so that's a really excellent way to sh- a ritual to show up for self-love amazing um, the intention candle I mentioned is one of my favorites and I'm a, also just a big advocate of connecting to our bodies through movement and even just a beautiful little home care like I I, <laughs> I love spending time in my bathroom and I will just oil my body up and you can use whatever oil shea butter coconut oil whatever it is and just taking time to massage your own body and take care of your feet and rub out your calves and just this touching of ourselves, I think is such a sweet and very easy way to show ourselves love. Yes. So true. I love that. Obsessed. Okay, everyone go love yourselves. We're going to move on. (laughs) We're going to move on to manic moments and manifesting where we talk about our last meltdown and the last thing we manifested and I'll go first. I, okay, actually, I feel like I'm going to switch mine. I was going to talk about my road rage yesterday, but I just, while recording this episode, my husband, we had, I guess, had some friends over and as though, although he knew that I was recording a podcast episode, didn't tell his friends and they were hooting and hollering and screaming (laughs) and I had to go out and scream at them. So there's that. I mean, I'm not, I don't know. It was, I really yelled and then I texted my husband and said, I'm pissed. So we'll see what happens when I finish recording this. (laughs) Um, But hopefully what I've manifested is that he's going to be editing this episode because it's going to take a long time to to edit because we had to stop a million times. So there's that. (laughs) Now your turn. So manic moments. Well, I, I mentioned to you before we started recording that I was just in Bali for two months. And it's been a trip I've been looking forward to for a really long time. It was completely amazing and magical and somewhere I'm going to go back to for a longer, deeper dive probably at some point. And so being back in LA for almost a month now, I've definitely been feeling that manic energy come back in, in the way of just how I manage stress and having a lot of things on my plate and a lot of balls in the air and, you know, just always learning with running my own business of how to put systems in place and be more organized and I've usually been so organic with things and so that's something I've been working with and I think I can I can um I can uh what's the word I can I don't want to say lash out because it's not like I'm screaming at 
at people, but I can get just like a little snarky and really a little bit high strung Mm -hmm. with my business partner sometimes where I'm like, Hey, like, are we on the same page here? And just my, I get, I'm very quick and direct with my energy sometimes, which is fine. There's a place for that. But when it's, (laughs) when it's mixed with feeling overwhelmed or stressed, it's, it's not, uh, energy I'm proud of, let's say. So, yeah, so that's something I'm working on. It's kind of been coming out this week. Um, and it's like, I almost, I do it to myself too. So it's, it's not just that I'm like having, I don't, it's not like a, you know, road rage or being upset with someone because it's, I'm not satisfied with how something was done, but it's like that voice also, I turn that on myself. And that I would, I would say that's been my biggest thing actually the last few weeks is just how I was speaking to myself during these times of stress. Um, and then like feeling fucking exhausted by the end of the week because of it literally. So that's something I've been really looking at and, you know, there's like a fine line between like, okay, just accepting that this is how I am. And the other side of like, yeah, I just, I want to trust more when I was in Bali. I, I felt so deeply in a way I haven't felt in a long time. Like I felt this like kind of grounded, relaxed feeling in my nervous system where trust and acceptance was so much more accessible to me. And it was so healing to have a really authentic glance into what that feels like to live that way. And for me, it's like finding that balance in my life here, um, in how I navigate a lot of to do's and getting shit done, how I communicate when I need something from someone or I feel intuitively like we're not on the same page and we mm-hmm. need to be because sometimes my first instinct is defensiveness or yeah. Um, uh, yeah, getting defensive or getting upset. And so I'm learning to step back a little bit from that and soften. And I just think it so much starts with how we speak to ourselves. So that's 100%. been a thing that I've, a manic thing that I've been exploring. So important. <laughs> Tell us what you manifested. What I've manifested, well, definitely that trip to Bali was something I'd been looking forward to for over 10 years Mm. and it just didn't line up for one reason or the other. So that was a huge thing for me to manifest. And then, um, yeah, and I've been calling in opportunities to share this work more and there's definitely been a lot of things coming in with that. And, um, yeah, I just feel like the right people are, are hearing about us and wanting to support us. And that's something specifically that I've been preying on. So I would say that uh, that's been a manifestation, the trip to Bali and all that un- I got uncovered there. And, and these next chapters that are opening up with the people that are supporting us and the people that want to hear from us. And I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, exciting more, times. Yeah, it so is good. exciting times. It's, it's, there's a lot of movement right now. Yeah. There's been I got back from Bali and everything started to change very quickly. I mean, that's probably, you probably manifested that because you probably did all like the energetic work while you were there. And then it was all like landing when you got home. I feel like yeah. that always happens. I mean, some of it's been bittersweet. Like I have to move. I let go of my classes. Like all these things that I felt coming intuitively came, but it came at the same time and sort of yeah. under different terms. And I was just kind of like, oh, and so it was interesting because I had two options and I a part of me was like, oh, this sucks and da, 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 and kind of back to that defensive energy that I can have sometimes. And then this other part of me was like, I felt all of this intuitively. I saw it clearly. How about I take, I choose that road and say, huh, awesome. This is oh, confirming yeah. my intuition. <laughs> and it, yes, it's a little overwhelming because there's the minutia and the, 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 just the stuff that has the tasks that have to be done to move it all forward. But, um, but yeah, it was a cool, that's something I've been working on manifesting too, is that deeper acceptance and it's a little more vague, I guess, but it's a big one for me. Yes. Okay. Love. Well, this has been so delightful. You are just so, I don't know. I just love your vibe. It's been so nice and so many good tips and insights. Tell everyone where they can find you online. Uh, you can find me, my personal work. If you want a reading or you just want to uh, contact me personally, you can go to uh, aranalea.com. That's www.aaronalea.com or themoondeck.com. Uh, the moon, M O O N deck, D E C K.com. Um, and that's where the moon deck is. We sell um, moon deck in a wood box, moon deck in a paper box. 
it comes with the book and the cards and all the rituals are in there and all the moon cycles are in there. And then we also have some notebooks and some crystals and things like that that can be a companion to the deck. And then on Instagram, it's pretty much the same. It's the underscore moon deck. And then mine is arana.leah. I'm sure you'll have this all in the show notes. Definitely. Yeah. And then, um, so yeah, that's the best way is the websites, Instagram, and then on the moon deck Facebook page and on the moon deck Instagram page, every single Monday at 12 PM Pacific coast time, I get on there live and you can just join me for free. And I pick a card from the moon deck. I dive into the meaning of that card and how it relates to that week. It's kind of like a week forecast. And then there's a ritual that you can do that week until the next moon day. And that's every Monday. Yay. We are definitely going to tune in everyone. Go check out Arona Leah. She's amazing. Check out the moon deck and we'll link you to everything in the show notes. Thank you all so much for listening and we will catch you next time. Thank you so much for being a chill chakra girl and tuning in to chakra girl radio. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. You can find more info on chakras and on Amber Lee at the and follow all the glam and grounded goodness on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the Chakra Girl Co. Amberly loves engaging with her listeners, so DM her anytime.